Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. Welcome to The World in 10, the Times of London's unique take on world events every day. I'm Alex Dibble. And I'm Cara Bentley. Today we look at the huge NATO rehearsal currently going on in case of a conflict with Russia. And we look into the technology that could prevent Taiwan being invaded by China. And uh, what came first, the chicken or the egg? Scientists have found an answer. NATO has begun the biggest exercise of its air forces in its history. Uh, There are 250 planes involved, 10,000 troops, and they come from 25 different countries. Now, they're getting ready in case NATO has a conflict with Russia. It's an 11-day exercise, and the focus is moving fighter jets to Germany. Well, Jamie Shea is the former Deputy Assistant Secretary General of NATO uh, for Emerging Security Challenges and joins us on The World in 10 uh, now. Um, Jamie, thank you very much indeed for your time. I suppose first question is, the planning for what's going on today and over the next 10 days or so began in 2018, so kind of predates Ukraine. But as a sort of demonstration of power and unity, I suppose it couldn't come at a more significant time. Yes, it's uh, very timely, uh, Alex. As you say, it's been uh, a long time in the making, but uh, you've seen, of course, uh, in the Ukraine conflict that uh, the lack of air superiority of either side, either of Russia or of Ukraine, makes conventional operations uh, very hazardous, uh, makes progress on the ground difficult uh, as well, and could be potentially costly in terms of lives lost and equipment lost. So I think NATO clearly sees from uh, that conflict Uh, something which it probably already knew, which is that having air superiority uh, as well as uh, a robust defence on land uh, is absolutely fundamental to NATO's defence and deterrence mission. Uh, Finland has now joined the alliance, so there's a lot more NATO territory that you have to defend. Air superiority is is absolutely key here. NATO hasn't really tried to exercise this since uh, the end of the Cold War. It mainly focused on a task it called air policing, which was having a limited number uh, of aircraft in the Baltic states on a rotational basis uh, to track sort of Russian aircraft, uh, particularly if they tried to violate NATO airspace. But clearly, the as you mentioned yourself, the challenge that NATO now faces from Russia means that air policing is no longer sufficient and NATO has to have a robust air defence. 
And we understand that plans centre around Germany for this exercise and moving air reinforcements there. Why is that such a focus, Germany? Well, Germany, uh, since the Cold War, is the place where NATO has the largest number of air bases. And and indeed, after the Cold War, uh, NATO and the United States uh, kept uh, many of those uh, uh, air bases. You think of places like Bitburg, uh, Ramstein, uh, Spengdalen, uh, 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 Frankfurt, Rhine Main. These are names very familiar to connoisseurs of NATO. So NATO certainly has the air infrastructure there, particularly when you're talking about large bases, which can accommodate all of the 250 aircraft, quite, quite a large number of aircraft, which are being flown in, 100, 100 of them from the United States, for this exercise. So, of course, uh, they will then uh, span out uh, over the next uh, uh, 11 days across NATO territory for the uh, exercise. But in terms of a logistics operational hub, um, Germany is not the only place, but it's still the, the best military infrastructure, at least for air operations, that NATO has. Okay, here's the situation. Every computer in the world needs a semiconductor, a kind of chip. And around 60% of semiconductors are made in Taiwan. Indeed. And The Times has a report today which essentially looks at how the semiconductor industry in Taiwan has become at the centre of this diplomatic war and potentially military war over Taiwan between the US and China. Uh, One of the things it mentions, for example, is these incredible comments from a US congressman last month when he said that conversations had been had in Washington about saying to China, if you invade Taiwan, we'll blow up the semiconductor factories in Taiwan. Now, the Times' Asia editor, Richard Lloyd Parry, has been writing about this, and he says that even though blowing up is unlikely, it shows how strategic these factories are. This industry, semiconductors, in a way, is Taiwan's greatest weapon. Uh, I mean, people refer to it as the silicon shield. It's not only... United States, Japan and the West, which depends to such a great extent on Taiwan for the supply of semiconductors. So does China. So if this if this industry were were, were jeopardized, if the supply of semiconductors stopped coming out of Taiwan, then then it would hit China as much as anyone. So it's almost in a funny way, it's almost like a hostage that Taiwan has got which I think must act as really a very effective deterrent against interference by all sides. Now, the Prime Minister of Italy, Giorgia Maloney, has described the former Prime Minister, Silvio Berlusconi, who's died at the age of 86, as a man who never feared to defend his beliefs. And that is certainly true. (laughs) By his own account, he made more than 2,500 court appearances over a 20-year period at a cost of 200 million euros. Mm. Uh, The Times' obituary, a remarkable man he was, wasn't he? Um, The Times' obituary begins like this. When David Cameron arrived at one of his first EU summits after becoming British Prime Minister in 2010, his Italian counterpart Silvio Berlusconi sidled up to him and offered the following advice. Take a mistress in Brussels. It's the only way to get through these things. Lovely. The Times' Italy correspondent Tom Kington told us that Berlusconi set a standard, if you can call it that, for future leaders. He kind of set, set the trend. Perhaps there would have been no Donald Trump without Silvio Berlusconi. 
and the, the idea of a sort of tycoon going into politics, um, not worrying about conflicts of interest, thinking that he could settle everything with his charm and his, his clout and his charisma. So as the world looks on and considers Berlusconi as a figure of fun and a, and a bit of a buffoon after all these years, I think, I think there also needs to be a bit of a re- reflection on how the world then moved to, to kind of um, imitate and copy the standard he set. Silvio Berlusconi had so many fingers in so many different pies, it was incredible. He was a businessman before he became a politician. He owned AC Milan, the football club, very famously as well, of course. And on top of all of that, he had a media empire. And now that he's died, as well as the obituary that's on the Times app, uh, the Times is also looking at how that empire of his could be divided between his five children from two marriages uh, how it's going to be divided how they're going to take over his empire and one question is what will happen to his political party Forza Italia a key part of Giorgia Maloney's coalition government but Mm. many people think that it is pretty much dependent on Berlusconi's charisma and leadership so some expect that his daughter Marina who's in her 50s could make a sudden move from management into politics but if she doesn't take the group on will his political school legacy die with him. I'm here with Mike Smith, the foreign editor at The Times. Mike, what have you got coming up? Well, Donald Trump has arrived in Florida ahead of what promises to be a very dramatic appearance in court tomorrow. Uh, He's accused by the federal government of unlawfully taking boxes and boxes of classified documents when he left the White House and lying to officials who tried to recover them. As I told you earlier, scientists think they found a new answer to what came first, the chicken or the egg, and they think it could have been the chicken. And Kara is going to explain why. Okay, this is the discovery. Scientists did think that egg-laying creatures must have always been egg-laying creatures, but now they think an egg-laying animal could have evolved from being an animal that gave birth to living offspring. So essentially, they thought chickens always laid eggs. Now they think they could have given birth to live chicks first and then later became egg-layers. That's it from The World in 10 today. Don't forget you can get a Times Digital subscription which gives you full access to the website and the app, all these stories that we've discussed today and more, including, of course, Donald Trump's court appearance. We'll see you tomorrow. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.